to say yes sir and then the bible goes on to say eh eh if you are obedient you are calling the bible alaba shake bredo sokolo hey hallelujah ah no let's do this thing give me first peter chapter 3 i feel the anointing to teach this thing
and that God becomes our parent. In the book of John, chapter number 1, verse 12, the Bible says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God. So they were not children of God before that, but when they received Jesus, they now accrued a right to become the children of God. The question is, whose children were they before they became children of God? They were children of the devil. Why? Because the Bible teaches us in the book of Romans, chapter number 5, verse 12, that through one man's offense, death, sin entered the world, and death through sin. Now, that sin, where did it come from? It was introduced by a personality called Satan. And as long as everybody obtained that software, that programming called sin, they were children of Satan. So before they became children of God, they were children of Satan. Anyone who has not received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they are a child of Satan. Now, listen, let me explain something to, in case someone may be upset. Some, some of you know people who were born from parents that they disagree with. They say, from the time I was, in fact, when I was in my mother's womb, this man rejected me. Ever heard of such things? He didn't want anything to do with the pregnancy. Your mother took care of you. You were born. You grew up. Your mother was paying your school fees. You went to school. You finished your university. And when your mother married or when their mother married, they, you even adopted that good man's name. Let's say your, your former father's name was Chimfwembe. You choose the other one, Wembia, or something else. Because this one, you wouldn't want to associate yourself with this man. Now, when we go to the hospital and we test your DNA, whose child are you going to be when we test? You are going to be a Chimfwembian. Whether you deny it for the rest of your life, in fact, when we look at your face, you find that you look like Mr. Chimpwembe. You don't like him. You don't want anything to do with but his blood runs through. It's the same way with everybody that has not received the Lord Jesus. You may not say, I'm a, me, I'm not a satanist. Have you ever seen me flying in the night? I don't drink human blood. Granted, but when we check your spiritual DNA, we find that you are a child of Satan. And if you disagree with this truth, it will not help you when time comes for judgment. That's why the Bible says, for as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. It was at that point that they ceased being children of the devil and they became children of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so if you never knew now, you know, at the end of this service, make sure you come and we are going to help you give your life to the Lord. Somebody say yes. And so when the Bible says Judah has married the daughter of a foreign god, it means this is a human being or a woman who is not a believer. They are not under the Abrahamic covenant. They know nothing about the ways of God. Already I'm trying to communicate something to you. That if we are going to follow the covenant of the fathers, we should not be careless with who we marry. It's not just an issue of married, marrying and being married. We are being shown in the scriptures that God is not happy because you have married the daughter of a foreign god, the daughter of Lucifer, or the son of Lucifer. Now we know the context of what it means to be a child and the daughter of Lucifer, so you are not offended. Praise God. And what this means is that God's holy institution, which he loves, has been profaned. But I just want to emphasize something. I want to emphasize that God loves this institution. He loves it. And that is why when you are a Christian, I don't know, you could be single, you could be divorced, you could be dating, whatever your situation is. I want you to know that God loves the institution of marriage. Maybe it's been a long time. You have not even seen anyone. Last time you tried for the fifth time, the girl said, I just look at you like a brother. 
Don't say, I think for me I have to go the way of Paul. The fact that you desire to be married or to be with someone is a sign that that feeling and that desire came from God. Do not be discouraged. Let me just advise some young ladies here or the ladies that are single. Sometimes your problem is how you deny men. If you are going to deny someone, just deny nicely. They will get it. Do not finish their confidence. You even call them on the date, come. They think you are going to say yes. Then they start describing you from your head to your feet. The way you look, this and Why are you finishing someone? Don't finish someone's confidence. They may end up thinking maybe God called them into the way of Paul when God did not. So I just want to tell everyone who still wants to be in a relationship, you want to be married and you feel that feeling. I want you to know that God loves it when you feel like that. He's the one who planted it. Sometimes people may make it look like it's bad, especially the way it is taught. Even in churches sometimes. All you are taught when it comes to relationships is be careful what you do. Don't do this, don't do that. Don't go here, don't. You are told everything to not do. People rarely tell you what to do. They don't tell you when we were dating what we were doing. What were they doing? Meanwhile, this is an institution which God loves. In fact, I know a scripture from the book of First Timothy chapter 4, which teaches that the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. And when they depart from the faith, what are they going to be doing? They are going to be giving heed or giving attention to doctrines of demons. You know doctrines, there are demons that teach. Some of you think doc demons are just there to attack. Hey, there's a sickness, there's a headache. No, they do more than that. Demons also teach. What the Bible teaches is not all of us should be teachers of the word because we who teach will be judged more strictly. I never liked that scripture because I teach the word. And I was wondering, but why are we going to be judged more strictly? Until the spirit of God began to reveal to me that the reason why teachers are going to be judged more strictly is because when a person gives you a prophetic word, that prophetic word can shift your season. But when someone gives you a teaching, that teaching can change your mindset and the mindset can change a lifetime. So there are people who believe wrongly because someone taught them something wrong. And it's much easier to learn something than to unlearn it. So this is why demons invest in teaching. They invest in teaching. Attacks are some of the lowest things that they do. Many of these belief systems that we see today are teachings that were carefully carved in the demonic realm so that people can be given a mindset. And when people are given a mindset, it means a lifetime is defined. So you find people who, for example, don't believe that it's good to get married. Why? Because they think that if I get married, I will just end up divorcing. Or I may end up letting this person into my space so much and when they know me, they may leave. There are people who actually say when people begin to live together for a long time, they ruin a relationship which they have. The question is, who taught you that? And don't you think God was wise when he said the man shall leave his father and mother and unite with his wife? Not only will they stay together, staying together is the lower level. It says they shall become one flesh. So if now someone comes up to you and begins to teach you that it's better to just be staying far, far from one another, yet we meet and we enjoy conjugal rights, for belonging to an institution we have not formally subscribed to. If someone begins to teach you that, don't you think that's a doctrine taught by demons? It's, if you are disagreeing, let me tell you today. It's a doctrine taught by demons. It's a teaching of men that are not sanctified by the power of the Spirit. In English, what I'm also trying to tell you is that if you're cohabiting and you don't want to settle with someone, why don't, why don't you even want to settle with someone? You're afraid they will take your wealth. Which wealth even? Another doctrine that is taught by demons, people think you need to have thousands of kwacha for you to marry. 
But what begins to happen is that when people begin thinking like that, they still want the benefits of marriage, whatever those benefits are. So you find, because they think they don't have money, and they believe so much you need millions before you can get married, you can find each person works, the person makes even, say, four pin per month, the person can even get a loan, they have a girlfriend, they are dating for five years. Is it a degree? It's not a degree program. You go ahead and get married. What will begin happening is, look at this. When people begin to relate with one another, when people begin to relate with one another, they get closer. The more you talk to a person, the closer you become. The more you look at their photos, the way they look, the way they smile, you start getting closer emotionally. What that now you in your head, you have planned that in a marrying five years from now. And you think you're going to stay pure. You begin touching the hair first. The next time it's head. The song says head, shoulders, knees, and toes. People begin to go down. They begin to descend. And Oh, can I preach this thing? And before you know it, you find yourself repenting every time. And if you're in a relationship where you are sleeping with one another and you're not married and you keep telling yourselves, we are going to stop, you are joking. You are joking. People keep telling each other we will stop, but they never stop. Because only the two of you know what you did and how nicely you enjoyed it. You know it's a sin, but you want to keep doing it. Now imagine every time you meet each other, you are not even proud of each other. When you look at each other, you laugh you in your heart. You say, <laughs> we are fools, both of us. Because you know what you are doing. So you keep getting closer and closer. You start sinning and you've postponed. Listen, let me tell you something, man. If you can find an income of three pin per month, get married. The Bible says, God, God, oh, I'm just emboldening some gentlemen right here. I'm seeing gentlemen, they're enjoying this stuff. The Bible says, God rejoices the work to begin. Now, the point I make is that feeling that you need a lot of money before you can marry. It's a doctrine taught by demons. And its aim is to get you to desire what people married have, whatever it is, so that you begin having it outside the context of marriage. The devil is a liar. And as I'm speaking to you, you are free. Those who are sleeping with each other, you are not yet married. The Lord says, break up. Oh, I feel like we are in the right environment. Listen. Listen. If he can't wait until, or she can't wait, because there are some she's. Mm. If she can't wait, and all the gentlemen said, if she can't wait for marriage, she is not the one. Because the Bible says, the first thing the Bible says about love is that love is what? Now, which doctrine did she read which says love is fast? There's another doctrine taught by demons where people say if you don't sleep each other, they will leave. What happens is, Alepoafie. Let me tell you something. For some of you ladies, the only reason why that man is still even dating you is because of that same sex you've not offered him. So the only guarantee you have that he will marry you is the sex. So sting him. That's the only guarantee you have. Because he's not wise. The moment he sleeps with you, he thinks that's marriage. So what is there now to marry since the marriage has been married? So you make sure you withhold. So that when now so many things have gone in. He brought his relatives, you brought your relatives. He paid Lobola, he spent on the wedding. He won't leave. It's now too complicated for him to come out. Now when you just meet somewhere at a bush, Mufiani, everything happens there. And then he will just say, ah, oh, no, I thought it was just... Uh, You will cry. So all the ladies said amen. The Bible says he has perverted the institution which the Lord loves. 
The first thing I'm telling you is that it's an institution which the Lord loves. Somebody say the Lord loves it. And then I want us to understand something here. Since it's an institution that God loves, I would like to know why does God love this institution? And why is it that this is one of those institutions which God expressly says that he loves? And it's holy because when you temper with it, he says you have profaned it. It's an institution for starters. What is an institution? There are many definitions you are going to get, but there's one very good one I found. And it says, an institution is a deliberately structured organization. Those who are writing notes, let's go. An institution is a deliberately structured organization. A deliberately structured organization with rules, norms, and beliefs designed to shape and constrain human behavior. I like that. I'll read it again. I'm going to read this time. If you don't get it, you can copy from your friend. An institution is a deliberately structured organization with rules, norms, and beliefs designed to shape and constrain human behavior. That means when God instituted the institution of marriage, he designed it that it will have rules and norms and beliefs which are not just for coexisting, but to constrain human behavior. One of the reasons why institutions are orchestrated is to constrain human behavior. One of the blessings and disadvantages of human behavior is that a human being is made in the image and likeness of God. That means he's got free will and he can do anything he wants to do. As a human being, you can do anything you want to do. You can make mistakes, you can make up. You are free, you are a free moral agent. That is your advantage and disadvantage. Yet there are things that have been designed to be done a certain way. So to cage your behavior and your freedom, we have to institutionalize some of these amenities that God has created so that you don't just do anything anywhere. There are certain places where you have to, to behave a certain way. I remember one time when we were in second year, we went to parliament. When we went to parliament, I had some of my, my sisters, my colleagues, who wore very short skirts. Now, maybe they were not too short, but they were above the knee. When we reached there, there were some people who gave them vitenges. They were told, this you can wear anywhere. But in this institution, you dress like that. You don't dress like that, you dress like this. Your skirt always has to be below the knee. When you are in court, it's an institution, there's a way you dress. When you are appearing before a judge in the high court, for example, you have to be robed. You have to wear your robe. You have to wear your bib. You have to look smart. And there are colors that you have to wear in court. If you go with a Mavis suit, the judge will say, I can't see you. And you can find that depending on the judge sitting there, your whole case can be thrown out. When, when you are operating as a doctor in an institution, in the hospital, they wear scrubs because they have to be identified as such. Now, you may be a very well-trained doctor. You may even know how to operate and how to give medication. But it doesn't mean you can do anything you want. When you are in hospital, you are expected to dress a certain way. Imagine a, a, a police officer who stands on the road just dressing the way I'm dressed. And they are stopping cars. What happens to now? They have a rank number. They are a police officer. They went to wherever they go to train and they were certified. But because they are not wearing the white glove and the traffic uh, uniform, people will just be ignoring them. You don't dress like that because you are in an institution. In the same way, marriage is like that. There are set rules. 
there are set beliefs and norms which are designed to help us behave a certain kind of way. In other words, if it's an institution, if marriage is an institution, then God structured it deliberately to have norms and beliefs and patterns of behavior to constrain you towards how to behave and not to behave towards marriage. And this is why these meetings are important. The Lord Jesus was once asked a question in the book of Mark chapter number 19. The Bible says in verse 3, the Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to him, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason a man shall leave his parents and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. They said to him, well, Moses commanded us to give a certificate of divorce. So you, why are you telling us? What are you telling us? Then he says, Moses said that to you because of the hardness of your heart. Kulimbam Tima, according to the words of Bishop. Your hearts are hard. You are difficult people. So he said, okay, do it formally if you want to do it. And then he goes on to say, Moses said it because, but this is a sentence I want us to, to look at. Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, permitted you to divorce, to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. So it is in the beginning that we see how the institution of marriage was institutionalized. As we went on because of the hardness of men's heart. Remember, they've got free will. So they began to force things. They began to bend it. They began to say marriage should be like this. Marriage should be like that. But Jesus says, although you do this, you have perverted it. Although Moses allowed you. Moses did, Moses did not say, this is what God has said. That if you want to divorce your wife, give her a certificate of divorce. According to Jesus, Moses permitted it. There are three dimensions of the will of God. There's a perfect will of God. There's a permissive will of God. And there is the good will of God. In God's permissive will, you insist that you want to go a certain way. And God allows you. For example, at a point, the Israelites wanted a king. They said, we want a king the way that the worldly people have a king. It was not God's perfect will for them to have a king. Because God gave them prophets and judges to rule over them. The spirit of the Lord would come upon the prophets and the judges. And they would begin to execute and prosecute the will of God. And that's how they lived. But they looked at the worldly people. And they said, we want to be like them. We want to have a king. Someone who's tall and handsome. Someone who can fight for us in battle. As if God does not fight battles for them. And, and someone told them, you're making a mistake. You're making a mistake. This is not God's perfect rule. And they told some of God, tell God we want a king. And God permitted them to have kings. It was not God's perfect will. But God permitted it because they insisted. In the same way, when we look at God's perfect will, it was not his design for people to divorce. But because you are a free moral agent and you insisted that me, I must divorce, God permits it. It's not his perfect will. You have forced God's hand. Isn't that interesting? That a human being can force the hand of God. In the beginning, what God said is a man shall leave his father and mother and shall unite with his wife and the two shall become one. Now, how are you separating the two that have become one? Which is one of the reasons why you must be careful with casual sex. Because what Paul says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is, because, is that when you begin sleeping around, you are becoming one with the person you are sleeping around. Now, what a deliverance session does is that it comes to break what you joined together by disobeying God. Because <laughs> it's getting a bit quiet. When you begin to engage in those things, you are becoming one. You have not yet been pronounced man and wife. You, you pronounce yourselves. There are so many things that have happened over time that have, that have 
tried to attack the institution which God loves. But as for you and I, we are going back to the beginning. And we are agreeing with what God said about it so that we may live in God's perfect will. I'll tell you one of the reasons why God chose the institution of marriage as one of his favorites. When God called Adam, his instruction was to fill the earth, to work it, to multiply it was not going to be possible for Adam to multiply without Eve. In other words, it was through the institution of marriage and of family that God was going to work the earth. In other words, one of the reasons why we are not living in a perfect economy is because we are not coming from perfect marriages. I want you to see how this is very interconnected. God has an instruction for Adam. Go and work the earth. Go and make sure that you dig it and you do this. But he makes him a wife. And with his wife, they are supposed to have children so that together they may work the earth. They can have a bumper harvest. They can establish companies. Let me tell you what used to happen back in these days. Sometimes you find that one family is more specialized in agriculture. Another family is more specialized in war, in fighting battles, in making armory. So what they would do is they would come together and they would get into a covenant and they would become one family. So you find that the guys who can dig and they can plant and they understand the times and seasons are going to be providing food for the guys who fight so that the guys who fight can eat something but they can protect the, the rest of the family. That is to mean that a company right there is formed. The concept of company came from the concept of family. Listen, the reason why Satan is attacking your families is because God's concept of wealth is that wealth must also run in the family. Some of the biggest billionaires you've heard about, you find that it started in the family. That's God's original design. Now you find, especially in Africa, when the father dies, I don't have to preach this sermon. The father was rich. The moment he dies, everything is messed up. It's not just an issue with your village people. It's demonic because what the demons want to do is that they want to attack God's perfect will. And from here, you are going to unite with your families. God designed wealth to also run in families. Listen, some of you, what you were told is, your grandfather was a witch. That's the only thing you know about your grandfather. Mm, there were village people where you come from. They used to fly. They used to move clouds. I heard about people who can move a cloud, and it's a show in the village. They can sit like this, and they are moving a cloud to see who is more powerful. It's a competition. And you don't want to go to the village because that's the only thing you know about it. Let me tell you a story. One time, they began to tell me about my grandfather. And they began to tell me about how much of a rich business person he was. They told me in the days of Kaunda, the man would have a lot of money. They would come to search him and my grandmother, and my grandmother was the one who was telling me that. He would hide the money, some, she would hide the money, the coins, she would hide it in the sand. Then when they come, they wouldn't find it. But the man was doing business. He had a shop and he had a truck. Who does that? In those days, maybe I was not there. But the only thing I heard as, mm, was that mm, people from this side. Then I realized it means there's an inheritance for me from that man. But what the devil has done is that he has come to tell you that the only thing that was from your village is witchcraft. The reason is not so that you can run away from them and be safe. The reason is so that that blessing which God put upon them. Some of your forefathers were some of the best farmers the world ever knew. Some of your forefathers were into gold and minerals and stones. Some of your, of your forefathers were politicians and they were well spoken. But you don't know that about them. Let me tell you what I went to do. I went to pray. I want to pray, I want to pray. I said, Lord, whatever inheritance my grandfather had, which the devil has stolen by lying to us, that the only thing that was there was witchcraft, I command it to appear now. I, after that prayer, I went to sleep. Guess what happened? I had a dream that a man with a big checked ukwa bag, which had a lot of money, came. There was a portal that, that opened, and the man was very angry with me. 
And then he came where I was sleeping and he threw the chisak bag of money, fjolled and left. And I asked the Lord, I said, but Lord, what's because, it, you know, it spooked me a bit. I said, Lord, what is this? And God told me, the money which you were claiming is back. It has come back to you. I want you to know that family was God's way of promoting wealth. Family was God's way of promoting, promoting even economic empowerment. That's why I wanted the president to be here. Because there is an argument that if we do not take care of families, if families are not taught the correct concept and oracles of God, we are going to have a messed up country. So this is why meetings like this must have government sponsorship. Because when we do this, we are fixing the nation. Praise the Lord. It is a plan of God for your life to prosper with your family. But you see, this family stuff begins at dating level. At boyfriend and girlfriend level, you can tell. Imagine, before you are married to someone, And if you begin, I don't know why I'm, I'm strong on sexual perversion. Listen, if you, if you begin doing that, the Bible says the marriage bed must be kept holy, right? It must be, it must be honored. And then it says adulterers and fornicators, God will punish. Now, there are two ways in which the marriage bed can be dishonored. Two ways. Through fornication and through adultery. If you are fornicating, you are dishonoring the marriage bed, which you have not even yet gone to. At the same time, if you are committing adultery, the same marriage bed, you are attacking it. But that one, affects you because it means that the DNA of lust and disobedience that is happening between the two of you will be transferred to your children. You see, the sin, the sin that Cain, Adam committed was eating an apple. Don't argue it was an apple. That's the sin that Adam committed. But when it was passed down to Cain, it was not eating fruits. It was murder. That means sin has a tendency to multiply, grow, and become strong as it is passed down. So you can think for in any day, cut off your blessed fiance. Then you find that your descendants become porn stars because the thing is becoming stronger and stronger. And the Lord is looking for a generation that will be bold enough to stand against what God stands against and to be pure. Look, just wait. When you get married, we won't even be stopping you. Whatever you are looking for. We will just be leaving you alone. Oh, you better shout because I'm preaching the right stuff. One day the Lord Jesus, let me save you some embarrassment. One day the Lord Jesus took me to hell. I was standing outside the gates of hell. And I heard a voice behind me saying, run. And I began to run. As I began to run, I began to see different sections of torment. People are tormented differently there. People are not tormented the same. All torment is bad, but the torments are different. There are some who were just in a lake of fire. Others were just in outer darkness. You think you know darkness. relax. There is darkness this side. A darkness where you can even cut a chunk. It's so heavy. And I was running when I was seeing this. But then I was taken to a section where there were people who were sexually perverted. People who dishonored the marriage bed. When I saw that, I began to see people. Now, I don't know if this will make sense. And I'm not telling this to scare you. I'm just telling you what my experience was. I saw ovens open. Ovens. Nanguven, depending on where you come from. I saw them open and people were being, it's like people were being baked in deep heat. And then it will open just for a short minute and then it will be closed again. 
It's like, it's like when a person bends, they come out to be given a new body just so that it can bend again now for eternity. But it's better to die. But then there they say, no, you can't die because if you die, then we lose out on the punishment. So that's what I saw. I'm just telling you what I saw. There's an end to it. And this is why, especially in a church setup, if you are leaders, Stay away from sexual immorality. It's not only an insult to God's institution which he loves. The Bible says it can spread. And when it spreads, instead of promoting people into heaven, you are promoting more people into hell. It's not the perfect will of God for you. But hey, I've got good news for you. Everybody who may have fell, fallen down this path today because of this meeting, God is canceling that past. I'm not preaching to you. I'm telling you what God is saying. He's counseling that past. He's inviting you to start afresh so that you do not experience some of those consequences yourself and also the people that to come. Are you listening to me? The past is behind you. Somebody say the past is behind me. <laughs> the past is behind. Let me tell you something. Holiness is also contagious. The world is already attacked with a lot of provision. You will be surprised by how many young people are struggling with things like pornography and masturbation. So many people are struggling with those things. And what begins to happen, here's the effect of sin. When people are living in sin, it opens a door to demonic activity. And that demonic activity does not only affect them, it begins to open a portal to everyone who's around them. Remember, through one man's offense, sin entered the world and death through sin. So you find that if you are at the university and your friend wants to do an exile, do not allow it. Just say, oh, today I'm not going anywhere. And if, oh, I feel like I'm preaching the right stuff. Listen, when they now bring their boyfriend or their girlfriend, Chumbumunsholol, while they are together, and they say, okay, can't you are going to watch what we are going to do? There are some more about. Say, ah, even me, I've got rights. I'm, go I'm doing live Facebook today. Why? Because when that sacrifice of sin is committed, a, an altar is opened, you can find that the demon which goes in will not only affect the, the sexuality of those people. Satan is funny. Satan is funny. When a person's immune system is weak, it is not only a flu they have. There are many other issues they are likely to have, correct? So it's like breaking the immune system when people commit that sin. All kinds of issues will come. You, some of you will be surprised. You used to be a brilliant person. The moment you began living in that room, suddenly, there's a spirit of failure. You, you check your history. In your family, everyone is brilliant. It's because you are in an environment which was opened to powers of darkness. What I'm trying to tell you is let us also be spiritually smart. Don't say, ah, it's their business. No, it's going to affect you. If they are living wrongly, it's likely to affect you. If you can stop it, stop it in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout yes. All right, I think we can end here for now. Uh, you can write. I, I finish off. Okay, let me add one more line. How many are agreeing? Thank you so much. Let me add one more line. I'll add one or two sentences. Now, listen to me. The world is doing everything it can to pervert God's favorite institution. But I want you to know, as I said earlier, that God uses this institution and he intends to continue using it and he sent me to preach to this nation. That's why I'm wearing this stuff. <laughs> the Lord sent me as a prophet to bring a message that God is going to begin bringing wealth in the families. And this is why we must do everything we can to protect the families. This is why we must do everything we can to make sure that the differences are resolved. I remember preaching to a young lady and God told me, God wants to honor her father. Isn't it interesting that when you study the book of Kings, 
many kings who messed up. God said, although this person has messed up, I will not completely destroy him because of my servant David. Meanwhile, David died 250 years ago. Now, imagine if they are following correctly. It means the blessing continues to expand. Are you listening to me? In the institution of marriage, we are encouraged. I'm going to talk about one thing that you need to learn now, and it's going to be of a lot of help in the future. We are encouraged to honor one another. Remember, Hebrews 13 verse 4 says, marriage is honorable among all. Now, if you are going to enjoy an honorable marriage, even the way you date must be honorable. honorable to one another. A person who sleeps with you does not honor you. It's dishonor to the marriage bed. It means you've been dishonored. A person who does not hear you out. There are men who, they will pursue you, pursue you, pursue you, pursue you, pursue you, pursue you, pursue you. The moment you accept. It's a dishonor. See, honor begins in the relationship. I know he is not your father, but if you are dating him at least after three months, of 100 kwacha talk time. At least, oh, can I preach this thing? <laughs> At least there should be a promise. You can't be waiting in perpetuity five years. He's not the one. So even respect, for example, if you, if you people do not respect each other, every time you're exceeding each other, stop. I know you are cool, but you're about to get into an institution. That institution regulates how people should behave towards one another. You cannot be exceeding each other and think you're going to respect each other in the marriage. If you are headed towards marriage, you should stop looking down and disrespecting one another. Even the tone of the voice that you use when talking to one, one another, you must anticipate that we are getting into an institution which does not allow us to just talk anyhow to one another. It regulates the way we talk to one another. It insists that we must respect one another. There's a way we must treat each other and just know that if he can sleep with you before you are married, he will continue sleeping with other people afterwards because you allowed him. You allowed him. No one forced you. I don't know why people say you impregnated. You impregnated each other. Ah, Jesus is Lord. You see, one of the reasons why honor must be planted in the marriage is this. You see, there's something that the Bible says in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3. It says, husbands, 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 7, husbands likewise dwell with them, that means your wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, not to the weak vessel. Weaker, meaning both of you are weak, she's just weaker. Some men think they are strong. No, we are all weak. She may just be weaker. And weaker in which context? But the Bible goes on to say, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. That means when it comes to grace, we are equal. Your wife can be an apostle, you are not. Your wife can have a prophetic anointing. I, I mean, my wife, my wife can prophesy. And you know how my wife's prophetic word comes? When she's dozing. My wife could be dozing like this. Then she would say, I, know, I saw this. I, and I'm thinking, I've been praying for two hours for this thing, and you're telling me. And you're, So I am forced to be humble. <laughs> because when it comes to grace, we are equals. We are all undeserving, but God gives it to us. All of us humanity. Are you listening to me? And then he gives a disclaimer. He says that your prayers may not be hindered. Hmm? In other words... If you are not treating each other right before you are married and you take that same spirit in the marriage, you find that you were a prayer warrior before you got married. You continue with the same spirit in the marriage. But because now you are in an institution which constrains your behavior, which says you must honor one another and you refuse, it's unforgiving that one. Your prayers will not be answered. And you wonder, when I was single, I used to have answered prayers. Before I married this one, I used to have answered prayers. Now that I'm married, why am I not having answered prayers? You start fighting demons. The demons, they are innocent. Your wife is worse than the way a demon can hold prayers. Because it's an issue of grace. You see, I'll tell you the reason why. Why prayers are not answered, especially when it comes to a marriage context. What the Bible teaches in the book of Revelation chapter 8, verse 3, 
he says, another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar. So angels are in charge of prayers. In other words, when you're mistreating your wife and you're looking down on her, you're not honoring her. And you go to pray, the angel was watching. He will make sure, not a demon, the angel will make sure that when your prayers arrive, they separate your prayers. So when they're supposed to bend them together with incense, they, the angel now says, no, this one, it is war with him. And when God says, you angel, I saw you putting a prayer away. What are you doing? Then he says, remember what your scriptures say. He does not honor his wife. So when you see me honoring my wife, I'm not pretending. I'm not trying to make a show. I am trying to make sure that those two projects I have, if there's a way that God can answer my prayers through me honoring my wife. So you find that men who honor their wives are men of revelation. They know something you don't know. Women who honor their husband, I will tell you also women, why women must honor their husband. It's the same reason. When you study the Bible in the book of First Corinthians chapter 11, it's talking about respect and authority. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 10, it says, For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head, a symbol of authority, a symbol of respect to her husband. In the context of the Corinthian church, it used to be a cloth on their, on their heads. So for them, they agreed that this is a symbol of respect. Look at the reason that is given. It says because of the angels. Now, I thought it would say because it is good. I thought it is said because it's becoming of every woman. But it says the reason why you must show respect to your husband is because of the angels. In other words, how you are treating your husband, the angels are watching. Let me tell you something about angels. They are technical beings. Do you know angels are, are not as merciful as God? One time, God told David, I want, to, I want to punish you. Choose a punishment. Between me pursuing you for three days, killing you, doing whatever I want to do to you, and also hunger for three months, you can also choose uh, being pursued by your enemies for three months and I will not defend you. Imagine. And then he said, no, Lord, please, because you are merciful, let me fall into your hands. Now, God knew he had a weakness called mercy. So what he did is that he sent an angel. That angel, when he went... He began to kill men. He began to just slaughter men. In one day, he killed 75,000 men, one angel. I know you're talking about COVID. One angel. When that angel appeared, 75,000 men dropped. And then David now started crying, Lord, okay, first kill me. After 75,000 men, he said, no, kill me. I am not, I, they are not the ones who sinned. I'm the one who sinned. And God said, okay, I've forgiven you. But when God told the angel, can you stop this? The angel did not stop you, Aleph. And for the angel to be stopped, he had to teach David how to stop the angel. The angel said, if you want me, she's killing. If you want to stop me, I know God said I should stop. So if you want to stop me, he says, go and offer a sacrifice. And when you offer that sacrifice, I will cease. And so without that revelation, you know that thing where they've approved, but the command is taking long to come out. <laughs> so when you're dealing with angels, you're dealing, do you know there are certain prayers you will not have to pray if you're treating your wife right? But it begins with a relationship. How you are, now you are, look at you, you are saying each other, sad man, the way you're talking to each other. It's morning, instead of sending a message saying good morning, you are just posting statuses so that he can discern. Like someone said, you are online, your bay is online, but pride is also online. So you are waiting for him to say hi, even him is waiting. The angels are watching, they are saying, now these people, if they get married in this institution, which insists that you should be humble, how are they going to turn out? You know what, I will come next time to do part two. God bless you, thank you so much.